Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. You are listening to the Evolvepreneur After Hours podcast, and I am your host, Christine Campbell Rappin, and I am on a complete mission to help more entrepreneurs make a difference. It is about us together navigating the messy world of startup, growth, relaunch, reinvention. And today we're going to be joined by an amazing entrepreneur. We're going to talk about some deep things to help you get the best concepts and strategies to help you fast track your business. Today, our guest is Bernadette Bose, and she is a renowned corporate executive who leveraged her 25 years in the corporate world and her savviness with the entrepreneurial spirit to transform so-so managers into powerhouse leaders. Bernadette, a very warm welcome to our program. Thank you, Christine. How are you? I am awesome. Thanks. It's been a fabulous day. How about yourself? It's been a fabulous day as well. Thank you for asking. I love that. So I'm curious because if someone who comes from the low world of corporate and jumps into the world of entrepreneurship, what did you think that would take to be successful in that transition? <laughs> That's an awesome question. Um, I took it. I thought I took it. I thought that it would take exactly what I knew and what I was accustomed to in corporate. So I just thought I was just going to smoothly move over to being an entrepreneur, bringing everything that I had done for 25, 30 years, and I was going to be good. Oh, my God, was that quite so not true. Wasn't that just so not true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was true. the biggest misconception you had? Well, I was a senior executive, and therefore, I pretty much had every function around me taken care of. So if I had an issue with my laptop, I'd hand it off. If I needed someone to go and do the marketing, I'd hand it off. If I needed someone to handle my, you know, my expenses and my income, you know, tracking, I'd hand it off. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting there in my, you know, office, uh, my home office as an entrepreneur, realizing that I was all those people. Uh, you know, at least initially, uh, as you're, you mentioned in your intro, starting up, um, I realized that if I looked at an org chart, which was my customary tool to, to refer to as I was, you know, growing and and um, expanding in my corporate roles, I looked at it and I said, okay, so I'm the CEO. That was easy. And then I looked at all the functions of the org chart, you know, HR and finance and legal and sales and marketing. And I realized, gosh, my name's all. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm running into just basic, basic situations like my laptop, like, okay, what kind of payroll system do I use? And now I had to answer all of that. I had to research and I had to do it. And I didn't have someone to pass things off to. So losing that infrastructure of tools and technologies and processes, losing that pool of resources was extremely eye-opening. <laughs> it is true. I think sometimes we we totally misunderstand what what that freshwater approach really becomes. And yet, you, you know, you start you start a very steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. 
And so I'm curious when you look back, what, what was the really big nugget where you were like, I've learned that and I'm starting to build momentum because you have had success now in getting out of the first shock. Right. When did you start to realize that domino leads to the next and maybe I'm on the right path? Well, I had always been very process driven. Um, and so I was immediately putting the systems and the processes and the procedures and the practices that I wanted to follow myself in order to do all of those functions smoothly. Mm -hmm. um, because my number one goal, obviously, was not just going out and getting revenue. Uh, although that's like the number one thing new entrepreneurs focus on is I need to make money. Mine was more, mine was more actually for the first nine months. Mine was more, I wanted to put the infrastructure in place people, processes, and procedures. I wanted to put the infrastructure in place first. And even the another P is partnerships. I went out and spent most of my first six to nine months looking to build joint venture partnerships. So whenever a client needed something and I couldn't fulfill it, I knew somebody who could. Uh, and so when I to answer your question, I realized that I was moving to the next stage when I had those things in place. And then I started that org chart I that I mentioned. I had one up on my wall for probably like four years. And I had all, my name in all those slots. And I knew my job as that business owner slash CEO, entrepreneur, was to take myself out of all those secondary roles and put other people in it, whether that was a 1099, a W-2, it didn't matter. And so when I started pulling myself out of functions and putting other people in and, and letting go of control and, and allowing other people to support me, that's when I knew things were changing, evolving, and growing. This is a really fascinating thing. And I love that you had an org chart on there and knew that right away because I think sometimes that is one of the biggest challenges. When people leave corporate, they have a tendency, at least this is my opinion, my opinion only, is that we buy a job and we want to do the service delivery bit. And yet the service delivery bit, while it can absolutely be a fundamental part of the reason you love it, if you are only doing the service delivery and you forget about all those job functions, you very quickly realize you don't have cash flow, you are losing sight of some of the details, and it's it actually is usually a bit of a spin cycle at that point. And so there is a big difference between saying, my goal isn't to buy a job. Yours clearly wasn't. It was, I will run an organization where I am leading it. And I'm curious, who was your first or what job function, maybe more specifically, was the first thing that you did outsource? <laughs> yeah, another great question. All right. So this is going to sound, well, maybe it sounds weird or not, but my first function was a PR person. Why? Because, so my backstory, a quick version of my backstory, is the fact that the way I went from corporate to being an entrepreneur is that I was fired by my mentor of 12 years because I eventually, in about a year and a half, came face to face with the fact that I was the ultimate corporate the option. I don't know if you like, uh, you know, curses on your show, and I want to respect <laughs> that. Um, and so um, 
I was fired in late 2007, going into 2008. And I decided to start writing a book in 2009. And I published it in 2011. So in 2009, late to early 2010, is when I started feeling, you know, looking at that org chart, focusing on that, that org chart. And the number one thing I wanted to start doing is writing my book, supporting my clients and executing, like you said, going, you know, supporting that. At the same time, I knew that my acceleration of my business was going to be all based on my visibility, my branding, and my book which I had decided in, now keep in mind, this is 2008, 2009. Um, I also decided the number one vehicle I was going to use for that was internet radio, which was what it was called in 2008, 2009. And it's podcasting today. Mm -hmm. And so I just knew that my job needed to be focused there to get the visibility and get my message out. Uh, And so that was the first person that I hired was someone to help me with, uh, P- well, actually it was, um, two, uh, it was two or if not three people to help me with my PR. I, I actually think there's a lot of great insight to this and it wouldn't have been my first thing to thought of, but when you went down the path of, it was about visibility audience building. This one is something so important for our audience to hear is, is not to fall into the trap of the Kevin Costner fill the dreams business strategy, which I always yeah. jokingly say, I'll build it. They'll talk. And the truth is, even with a really strong corporate reputation or positioning and leadership in informal settings, such as the world of corporate, the moment you step into the wilderness, i.e. the land of entrepreneurship, you have to start again. And you have to rebuild your audience because even when you think you have a long train that will go with you, most are shockingly surprised at how few really take the jump with you. And you must always be building your audience is one of the things I was lit up this morning running a webinar on because your business will be built on strangers. Right. You must get clear who you're serving, what the value is and what the ultimate direction is because nobody will build that for you. You must build the bridge. So I love this because in your journey, you're constantly evolving. And I love the speed at which this thinking and this strategy certainly something I appreciate from where I sit. But I'm curious, you know, because it isn't just about learning the skills. The bigger challenge is, do I have a right to play here? And a lot of women, particularly high-achieving women coming from corporate, which we're an elite group anyway, suddenly get into the world of of business and we suddenly think, I can't do this, which is so weird. But it's a very high stat. North America, when I heard, was 75% of high-achieving women start businesses and think they don't belong there. Some level of imposter syndrome runs rampant in our day-to-day. So I'm curious, talk to me a little bit about the mindset of staying true to your vision here? Well, first off, the imposter syndrome for those women started long before they went out on their own. It started the minute they started getting elevated and they started making money and they started getting a title and maybe a big office. And that's when the imposter syndrome kicked in. And then it just happened that they pulled it along with them into their entrepreneurship. Um, So... You know, that's my observation, not only for myself, and I was one who rarely lacked 
uh, co- confidence is the only word that's coming up for me. I really gumption not- feels like the right one for me. <laughs> what was it? Gumption. Well, yeah, gu- I get that's a great word because I I was never like even my sister, which was shocking to me, and that's a long story in itself. But she like six years ago just said you are the most courageous individual not even woman that i've ever met like you never never you know kind of run scared from a situation or whether that's like just a a risk that couldn't have a great opportunity or i you know over the last 12 years i've also been down in a ditch and she's like and you never give up and you never run scared from anything but getting back to the imposter syndrome i think I, so I think the imposter syndrome that somebody has in entrepreneurship started breeding even earlier on. They just never really recognized it because I feel like corporate professionals are a um, hamster on a hamster wheel. And they never, ever, 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 ever have time to slow down. Not to say entrepreneurs aren't that crazy either because trust me, I remember my first three or four years um, but they really don't have an opportunity or take the opportunity to slow down. So then when they all of a sudden are leaving corporate and going into entrepreneurship, they're carrying all that with them. And now the key thing about entrepreneurship that I think causes people to get deeper into that situation is 95% of us, in if we came from corporate into entrepreneurship, weren't selling ourselves, weren't selling a product or a service, weren't responsible for whether or not we can afford to eat and and take care of our families and make a living day in, day out. And then all of a sudden you become an entrepreneur. And if you're not out there hunting and, you know, and killing, <laughs> um, you're not eating. And so all of a sudden sales comes into the picture. Now they have to sell themselves and com- and influence other people that they're worthy of them handing over a big chunk of change. Mm-hmm. And that's all of a sudden when, at least in my 12, 14 years, working with both entrepreneurs and corporate, they run- start running scared is when they have to ask for the sale, ask for the money, ask for the value of the money, because 99.9% of entrepreneurs undervalue their products and services. That's when I think, you know, and so move that forward. Mindset, my philosophy is mindset in life and business is 80% and 20% skill set. Skill set takes care of itself as long as you are taking care of your mindset, meaning you're confident, you're empowered, you're bold, you're willing to take risks. Because if not then you're never going to use that pedigree resume that you have. It means nothing if you can't, if you don't have the mindset to actually, you know, go and take advantage of it and exploit it. I'm curious, you know, advice given that is your level uh, of area of expertise and and obviously you're working to help elevate leadership in a corporate setting and in what you do as a business advisor. Um, What advice would you give for the emerging entrepreneur who, is getting in their own way because of mindset. How do we, what advice would you bring to them to get them to understand without it, you're dead in the water, but to improve it is dot, dot, dot. Well, first off, you have to acknowledge it. 
right? I mean, you know, the first key to anything is acknowledging you have an issue, acknowledging that you have a gap, uh, you know, you, acknowledging that, you know, you have in my world, you know, well, I won't use the term, but you have fears, insecurities, negativities. The first step is to step up and go, I'm scared. I'm insecure. I don't feel like I'm worthy enough. You can do that on your own and you can work through, you know, kind of asking yourself a lot of questions to kind of self-discover that. And I have um, a five-stage shift to riches formula, I call it, where you discover, confront, and shed so you can discover, or I'm sorry, so you can create and accelerate. So basically, we as humans, let alone as entrepreneurs, we need to really discover who we are, who we want to be, who do we not want to be, what is it that we're trying to accomplish, what is it really we really want in our lives, and what's working and not working. So that's there's hundreds of questions that I give my clients around discovering. And then you have to confront all of it, the good and the bad. Now, most entrepreneurs focus on the negative. They don't even think about what are all those riches, I call them, that I bring to the table. And if I focused on those on a daily basis, those will propel me forward and help me overcome my negative. So, you know, in the in the confront phase, it's confronting both your positives and negatives and making a choice and a decision as to how you want to address them. So then you might, then you move into the shed phase. I'm going to get rid of, and my backstory is when I was fired, went out on my own, started looking at the fact that I was the nastiest corporate executive you've ever wanted to work with. And therefore I needed to figure out why. And I found out it was because of all my insecurities, negativities, and self-doubt. Then I had to make a decision. What's causing that people, places, and the things in my life, what is causing that? And then I, I said to myself, okay, I now know I'm confronting it. Don't like it. Was in tears for months. Felt disgusted and shamed and and just embarrassed and humiliated. And I thought, okay, so what am I going to do about it? I'm either going to shed all the people, places, and things that aren't working for me, and I'm going to hold on and retain all the riches of those people, places, and things, and me internally that will help me overcome and transform. So then, as you're doing that, all of a sudden you're creating new goals and aspirations and you're creating new confidence and you're creating new energy around what it is you want to go for. And then as you're creating and achieving, you want to accelerate that. So that's what I call my shift to riches formula. So I think it's really imperative that every individual, let alone entrepreneur, spend time every day going inward and really asking questions. Now, if you need a coach to do that, Coaches, mentors, best friends, go find someone that you trust and have have confidence in to really help you with that if you're you're unable to do it on your own. I love this. And it, it very much echoes, you know, the way the way I think is you know, we do need to let go of what's not working and, and let go of the shame around it or whatever got you here because there's a lesson. Take the lesson, don't take the the, the other emotional baggage around it and shift to what comes next. And, and that's an evolution. And I love that it is a mindset that you must constantly revisit. It's not one line in the sand. It might be thousands on the journey to making it work. And at the same time, you you choose that destination and you, you decide it's a non-negotiable. 
So I'm, I'm curious, you know, in your journey, it's it's been up and down. And thank you for sharing, you know, the fact that it isn't always rainbows. It, it took a lot of self-reflection to get where you are. But what do you feel hope towards for 2023? Oh, my. Oh, wow. Um, well, one, I believe hope is not a strategy. So I am very positive and confident and I feel very empowered. And I'm so excited about next year, um, only because of the journey that I've been on. Uh, and my clients have had a lot of of influence on that, as well as my friends and my family and, and my peers and my own coach. But um, 2023, I think, is just really going to bring entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. Um, but I think it's even with the, with, you, you probably hear all the boohoo, uh, you know, that's also out there about, oh, well, there's a potential, you know, the R word, which I don't even like to say, if you know what it is. Do you know what, it, you know? I do know what it is. I don't believe in it either. <laughs> I know. And therefore, I am of the ilk, and I did in 2008 the same way. I just, I ensure myself and my my clients ignore it and they just continue doing what they need to be doing to accomplish the goals and the dreams that they have. Because the minute they start giving up on that and diminishing that is when they start giving up on themselves. So I think 2023 is just going to be gangbusters for anyone who really just stays focused on what it is they're trying to accomplish. Now, a lot of people don't have that understood concretely and they don't have it written down in a plan and they don't have it then defined in goals and measurements and whatnot. And I think that's their biggest mistake. And that's why majority of the people give up on their goals and dreams like by February. So I think 2023, despite all the noise around you and all the drama that people want to make around you, is up to the taking to anyone who just stays focused and confident, even when you have crappy days, by the way, um, on the fact that you're doing what you love and that you're making a difference. I love this. This was a beautiful conversation. You really get to control and choose your future. The past does not define what the next chapter will be. We've learned that through your story. And I love the fact that confidence is a key to it. Manage your mindset, learn the skills and create epic impact. It has been an absolute pleasure, Bernadette, to have you as our guest here on the Evolvepreneur After Hours podcast. Guys, a couple things for you. If you have loved our episode, we would love for you to give us a five-star review. And if you are a business owner or entrepreneur who wants to share your insights on your journey to help us all collectively make strides in our business, we'd love to have you as our guest. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes on the Evolvepreneur After Hours program. And until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, every day counts. Take action, chase your dreams, and remember, manage your mind. Thank you very much for having us, guys. We will see you on the next episode. Okay.